Most people have a story in their heads about what they're supposed to be doing in life. Many people sort of go through life as a sort of uh, their own personal movie, and they're trying to live out their conception of what they see life as. So they often have these um, moments in their life that are like graduate college, get a job, go to grad school, get married, get the house, have kids. The problem with that is a lot of people run out of things to aim for mm-hmm. or they face a disruption early on in their journey and it scrambles everything and they say well i don't know if i want that like sequence hello everyone welcome to this very special edition of through conversations podcast where we explore the truth through conversations with the most brilliant minds Part of the truth and also my personal truth is exploring my own journey, my own truth. So there is no better guest to do that today with, than Paul Millard. Paul Millard joins me today, who is a visionary who walked away from a conventional success path to discover a life of meaning, freedom, and creativity. In his book, The Pathless Path, Paul shares his journey of finding oneself in the wrong path of life having the courage to accept it and being strong enough to chart a new course, one that would align with who he truly is. The Pathless Path is Paul's book about walking away from a perfect job, quote-unquote, with a promising future and starting over again. Through painstaking experiments, living in different countries, and a deep dive into the history of our work beliefs, Paul pieces together a set of ideas and principles that guide him from unfulfilled and burned out to what he calls the pathless path, a new story for thinking about work in our lives. So join us today as we explore his profound insights gleaned from global experiments and personal transformation. This is a must listen for anyone seeking purpose, navigating uncertainty, and redefining work and life and meaning in a fast-changing world. So Paul, I appreciate you joining me. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was a lovely introduction. Thank you. Thank you. No, you deserve this and more because, uh, like I said before recording, your ideas do resonate. I'm in a pivotal moment in my life, and you just, the, the algorithm in a way maybe read my mind and just put me in front of you. So your ideas did help me take a leap of faith. So I appreciate you taking that time and sharing us your journey. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm honored to hear that. I really appreciate that. So, Paul, you know, the, the first question is gravitating around that same theme, your trajectory. And I'm curious, you know, our listeners who don't really know you that much, as much as mm-hmm. I do, how would you introduce your trajectory, your path unfolding up until today? What are some of the biggest pivotal moments in your life or Eureka moments and also some of the struggles that you found that also allowed you to reach to that diamond, that treasure, with which was that freedom and, you know, sharing your journey with us. Yeah, so my background is of somebody that didn't grow up in really, like, forced or um, surrounded by this success achievement narrative or world that so many people I know now know um, were kind of pushed into growing up. I I was in a pretty rural area of Connecticut. My parents didn't go to college and it was like, just do good in school, go to college. And like, it, there wasn't like much expectation, which was nice. I was always good in school. And when you're good in school, nobody is ever really concerned about you. So you're kind of just floating along. Uh, I did that until college. And that was when I first, uh, started to understand the world's status and prestige and achievement and all these goals and accomplishments you can pursue. And I went after them. I tried to break into strategy consulting, eventually broke into that world, working for some of the top firms in the industry. And at the same time, I was always this outsider sort of like, what is this world? Why is this so weird? Um, And I think what I realized now is I had this hunger for something more than just a job. Hmm. Um, Now I liked consulting. I really enjoyed learning about the business world. The first few years were amazing, but after like five years, you're not really like learning new skills. Uh, You're sort of just grinding through the same stuff over and over again. And the things you're 
uh, nudged to do or really kind of impress clients, um, grovel with senior leaders and try mm -hmm. to impress them, try to get promoted, play political games, all mm -hmm. that just sucked the energy out of me. And I didn't want to do that. So I kept moving from job to job, trying to like reinvent and learn new things and eventually ran out of moves. And I wouldn't say I took a bold leap. I more sort of just like ran out of energy to keep going on my former path. Um, I mean, it's like quote unquote dream job on paper to like what other people want, but it wasn't what I wanted. Mm. Um, I've since sort of discovered that I do want a little more space in my life. I don't want to design my life around continuous full-time work, all of adulthood, um, which is hard because it's not easy to make it on your own, um, carving your own path. And I'm also somebody that I think just enjoys more creative work and writing has been so important for me. And for the past six years, I've been basically just trying to like make that work while also not creating another job for myself, not getting caught up in like hustle paths and these goals that other people have. Um, and it's been pretty good. I, I think the last six years have been the best six years of my life and it's, it feels amazing to have found a path which feels sustainable for my life. Wow, Paul, you're touching so many ideas there that that can be each one of those can be a podcast in itself. Hopefully, we have <laughs> enough time to to explore those. But you just you touch on so many ideas that are embedded in in the workplace, and particularly in American workplace, which is status games, the prestige, the impressing our, our bosses, the impressing, trying to impress ourselves and, you know, also the, the expectations around us of who we need to become. Those kind of themes suck you. And, and, and what happens there is that we, we just lose ourselves and our focus. And, and, and that's not, it's no surprise that people, when they reach their fifties, they have a midlife crisis because they realize, you know, a lot of people. Fortunately for me, my crisis is right now in my mid-20s. And in a way, I'm thankful for that. But, yeah. you know, this, what, what you say right now is interesting because it's like playing for a good 40 years, a good corporate 40 years, playing this game, which is, you know, trying to have a mask and your true self and just having this space in between where you know you're playing a game but then the play the game starts playing you. So, you know, when when were th these clues in your corporate path, in your you know default path, like you you say in Pathless Path, your book? How what were some of those cues that didn't really resonate with you, and how did you identify that they were kind of like a fault in? not only in the system itself, but you just didn't click with it. And how did you find that courage to say, you know, this is not for me. I, I rather carve my own path because I feel like many people do feel that and they just take it as a natural law. It's just part of the world. It's just part of the corporate world. So I'm very curious to hear your insights. Yeah, I think It's interesting. I talk to a lot of people like you who are having these sort of wake up moments earlier and earlier in their life. And I think a big reason of this is that the paths many of us are on are in job paths designed around the industrial economy. And I think we're shifting away from the industrial economy towards a knowledge economy, towards a tech economy. And we don't really have new paths yet. Um, so I think a lot of people have all these small moments all the time, right? I had so many moments when it was just like, this doesn't feel right. But for a while, it was fine. I graduated in 2007. This was like pre-social media, pre-smartphones. And for the most part, you didn't see what other people were doing, right? And so for me... When I started to get more exposed to alternative paths and start to meet independent consultants working on their own and working these weird hours and uh, see those things, it, it planted seeds of like, oh, oh, that could be something, right? And then in the mid-2010s, you started to meet more like entrepreneurs, more coaches, more people doing all these weird paths. 
And I think the the wake up moments for me were I started to create uh, after um, going through a health crisis. Like I just lost interest in my day jobs and like became more interested in like volunteering and advising an undergrad consulting group and like teaching and mentoring people, um, writing on the side, writing on Quora, on Medium, places like that. Um, yeah. And all those things. And it all makes sense looking back now, but I really had a hard time figuring out that um, I wanted a different kind of path, different kind of life. It, that resonates a lot because, you know, when, like you just say, it's spot on that when you're in the midst, midst of the storm, trying to shift that path or trying to find your own path, or maybe just like your writings, like when you say, maybe just some people need that space in their life to explore what that path could look like, N not necessarily hopping to something else, but it doesn't seem to yeah. be the, the case that many people give themselves that time to see what emerges, which is really insightful, what, what can emerge by itself. And Paul, it's really interesting that one of the pivotal moments in your life was that health crisis that you have. And that paradoxically made you, if you know, please correct me if I'm wrong, but for me, my impression is that it allowed, it gave you a new insight into building a life to give to others, to playing positive some games, to in a way, honoring your time on earth differently, not just like a cog in a machine, but like someone who can give to others and paradoxically in that way that it's giving life to you. It's not draining you like a corp like an, the other paths. It was giving you life. So it was just a win-win for you. How with that, how was that inflection point in your life so so crucial in the sense that you, you realized kind of like the urgency of trying to figure out something for you while sharing your insights for others, you know, this, this win-win scenario. Um, I, I don't know if it was super intentional. I think I just sort of stumbled upon it. I mean, for the most part, nobody was reading my stuff for years. Um, now many more people are reading my stuff but nothing's really changed. I write to make sense of the world. I write because it's fun and I write because it it feels like the most important work type thing I do in my life. Uh, so it just happened that other people were resonating with my stuff. And I think this is the way I think about like creating and sharing online is like just put stuff into the world and you can kind of just notice what is happening. Right. So even before 2020, I was noticing like I had some readers, not many, but like people would reach out and have these really strong reactions like you you were saying. Mm -hmm. And it's like, OK, that's something that's sort of a, like proof that I'm onto something. I'm remixing these ideas in a different kind of way. I should just keep going. Right. And eventually that led to a book. Um, but like. I. I didn't have like a massive audience when I decided to write a book. I just decided to write a book because I felt called to it. And it felt like how I wanted to spend my time. And the more I've designed for liking work, uh, the more fun I have on my path. Hmm. So I'm very intentional about leaning against doing anything that feels like a job. It's very easy to do stuff that feels like a job. All you need to do is just copy what most other people are doing, right? Work every day, the same hours as you would in a job. Um, copy the ex the ambitious extrinsic goals your yeah. peers around you are chasing, and then just work a lot. Very easy. But it's very hard to like slow down and connect with yourself and be really honest about what you care about and what it turned out I cared about was like writing and creating space in my life to enable that writing to be good and interesting and fun and sustainable. Um, but what that meant for me in my first couple of years of my path was that I had to dramatically lower my income and I didn't make more than like 30 grand a year for the first three years. And it was great. It was the best years <laughs> of my life at that point. 
um, because I started to get to know myself. I started to remember the childhood curiosities and interests and playfulness started to reemerge in my life. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me, that's what it's all about. So for me, it's always come back to how can I make sure writing is a core energy in my life? How can I build a life around that? And am I okay with the costs I'm paying to keep that going? Um, which, and this is the thing people get so caught up in is like, oh, uh, you can't do this and make money. And it's like, yeah, I agree. I don't know how to make money doing the work that matters to you. Um, sometimes you can get lucky. I am making money from my book now. Uh, I don't know if that's going to keep going, but I'm just going to keep writing because I don't, I don't care. I'm not doing it for the money and I'm willing to pay the costs in terms of like not being able to live, live that like upper normie lifestyle in the U S of like fancy house, good, nice cars, like good schools. Like, I don't know if we're going to be able to afford that. Um, but me and my wife are really building our lives around sort of a creative energy and creative spirit that we want to keep alive and we're willing to fight for. Wow. What you touch on the, on the costs, you know, of our decisions, it's one of the most, one of the least talked about conversations in the world, not only in, in your path, Paul, but also in the conventional path. You know, if you would have told me at 18, Hey, Alex, you're going to get the job of your life and you, you will just tell me all of the upsides, you know, you will have great access to great, you know, people and also the prestige world. You will, you will also have networking and potential high income, you know, for a long period of time. I would have just signed right then and there, you know, but if they would have told me all of the costs with them, which were, you know, health concerns, uh, mental concerns, uh, social isolation, disconnection from community, from my own self, from my family, I would have, I don't know if I would have taken the deal and we don't really, yeah. right now we're, we're getting into that inflection point, I think on a collective scale and also perhaps my generation more, more than others that we're just realizing the cost benefit of playing the status game, the prestige games, uh, like you say, the prestige bug, and we're all beaten by it. And we're just seeing, at least from my perspective, how precious life really is and how little time we have on earth and just trying to, to carve a path, a conventional path to, to impress others or, you know, to just cope with extrinsic pressures of, of forging that path. Don't, just don't do that for me anymore. And I, th I see that with my generation more and more. Well, I think what's happening is <clears throat> people are looking at their lives more holistically. I think for generations, it, our world was less prosperous and you did need to sort of suffer and play by the, the rules to make your life work. Mm. But in that suffering, a lot of people undermined their own spirit, their own health, their own relationships, right? Um, and people are saying, well, I actually value those things now. How do I figure it, figure it out? So I think what's happening is we're seeing a massive uh, global experiment of remixing of paths where people are trying to find new ways. And what I noticed is that so many people want to escape the default path, but they don't have an alternative story. And I sort of wrote the pathless path as an attempt of that eternal, as that um, alternative story. And it's not really like a roadmap. It's really just a meta story. <clears throat> so you can create your own pathless path. I can create my own pathless path. I think one of my dreams is that there'll be a hundred sort of books like mine that are deep detailing other people's experiments of remixing their paths. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And that also touches upon the idea that, like you say, we, we don't have that path yet, but we're feeling, you know, on a collective scale that our technologies, our, the internet perhaps, and also 
like you say, we're getting into into the tech economy, into the knowledge economy, and we're just carving that path. So you might be the 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 leader on that movement, Paul. <laughs> that would be. We'll see. Like, yeah, it feels weird. I mean, I think I was just trying to like figure stuff out for myself. Yeah. And yeah, I I guess people are looking to me as like a leader, but yeah, it, it's weird. Yeah. And like you say, it's just so many things are moving and so many parts in the macro and also in the personal side of, of the equation are just being thrown everywhere. There's a lot of, of uncertainty and there's a lot of just possibilities. And I would like to dive deep into what you said on this knowledge economy, this this new path that it's forging and how how do you see that playing out you know right now with your own work and also what are some of the trends or how can you know these self employed employment people like you know trying to carve their freedom in this world how can they navigate this this new era i I think step one is really just becoming aware of what script you're running in your head. Most people have a story in their heads about what they're supposed to be doing in life. Many people sort of go through life as a sort of uh, their own personal movie, and they're trying to live out their conception of what they see life as. So they often have these um, moments in their life that are like graduate college, get a job, go to grad school, get married, get the house have kids. The problem with that is a lot of people run out of things to aim for, mm -hmm. or they face a disruption early on in their journey and it scrambles everything. And they say, well, I don't know if I want that like sequence or these bad things happen and they don't really fit into people's narratives. Right? So one is becoming aware of like, what is work? I have people just literally write down a few sentences. What is work? Work is, and then it's like, why do I work? I work because of money. That's often one, but then try to go deeper with that. What are the next four reasons? Often people really struggle. They don't know why they're doing anything. And that can be a big wake up call for people. I think next is to take action. It's to do stuff to connect with different states of being, right? A lot of people are putting too much effort into trying to make changes in their life. Yeah. And I love what Joe Hudson says. He runs Art of Achievement, uh, Art of Accomplishment. He says, don't waste effort on trying, mm -hmm. right? If you're trying to effort your way through life, you're not going to have enough presence to realize what you're really feeling and what you really want. So a lot of what I recommend is to sort of disconnect from work. I recommend things like mark off two hours in the middle of a day and a work day and go wander, go walk without a destination. Just see where your intuition takes you. Most people have never taken a walk without a destination in the last year. Wow. They only walk places to go somewhere to meet a friend, to go do stuff, right? And you sort of realize like, oh, I'm sort of like robotic and like I'm just either paying attention to my calendar or doing what I did yesterday. Just sort of like pattern interrupt that. Another way is to take a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. So take one to three months off, sometime in adulthood. If you're gonna work 500 months and you're committed to full-time employment, I think one to three months would not be that hard to find. People have these massive expensive weddings and they somehow figure a, a way to pull it off, but they cannot figure out a way to celebrate life and lean into their own like existence and leisure and reconnect with what matters to them. I think it's more important. So like finding space in your life to do things like that. But yeah, I often just say, like, start with wandering. Take a walk without a destination. Another thing you can do is remember what you used to do on a random day when you had free time as a kid. And go do that as an adult. Do you have something that pops up? It looks like you're thinking of something. 
I remember when we used to go to vacation, me and my brother, we just play catch baseball in, in the beach. Yeah. When's the last time you played catch? Oof, it's been... With him, it's been at least two years. Yeah, go do that. And just see how it feels. It'll probably be really fun. Yeah. It's one of the most um, enjoyable things, yeah. And I, th I think the hard thing for young people, I just had a child, I'm 38. I'm a bit older to become a dad. And one thing I'm realizing now, spending time around her, is I'm so playful around her. It's so fun. I'm so silly. Um, and people are having kids later. So they we've lost this connection. We have this big gap of like serious achievement based adulthood where we forget to be silly and play and do all, all these things. Wow. Yeah. And th just the silliness of it all paradoxically also fuels your creative. I, I, I feel like it also fuels your, your, your outputs in terms of, you know, what you're writing and expressing and also not only that that's just the 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 aftershock that's that's the externality that's not the intent yeah. i'm not going to play with my kid just to because it'll fuel my creati creativity <laughs> yeah it just it does that you know yeah you just play to play exactly and i don't it, like what you say just is brilliant because it i don't know when exactly for me personally but i feel like many people just lost that track you know just live to live or do things for the sake of doing things like when we were kids and it's very interesting because when we were kids i mean we were not trying to be leaders of the world or trying to you know <laughs> dictate how other people yeah. should live but other people would whenever I, i don't know paul but when people see your 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 son your, your is it daughter or is it um, daughter your daughter when they see her do they smile or they just of scare course him? yeah they just they're a light of of, of they're they're just living life and so well why... it's it's interesting though some people are completely oblivious to children and i wonder if this is like some cultural like weird moment where just people aren't having enough kids wow. yeah some people are just completely oblivious but then some people are just like oh my god a kid so amazing <laughs> um but yeah, yeah. Yeah, and th that's a very interesting point, the, the you know, lack of, of, of kids. But what, what I was trying to say is that while we're just doing life for doing life, we're just lim we're expressing this energy out of us. And all of a sudden, the, the script just runs its course, let's say, and I just started embracing a life of, of achievement, of life of titles, and a, a life of putting my diplomas on the wall. And those diplomas, you know, I, I've spoke with Kyle Kowalski in the show previously. The you know he writes uh, an, a blog called Slow, which is like intentional living. Yeah, slow. I love he's Kyle. really good. Yeah, he's the best. And what I why I, I told him is that I would rather exchange all of those titles, all of those diplomas, for just pictures with my family, pictures with my community, you know, memories. It, those just transcend. And when The light bulb, light bulb hit for me. I woke up one day in the in the you know midnight, and all of a sudden I just like an eureka moment. I thought, would I be doing this all my like if I knew I had only one year left, would I be doing what I'm doing now? And it was an instant no, and I just couldn't turn it back. It was like I can't just yeah. keep doing that hypocritical game of impressing others. I need to figure out what I want to do. What it is that if you ask me that question again, what would I answer? And like you said, a sabbatical part of it all, just trying to, a lot of people have been reaching out to me because they know I'm like in this, uh, you know, void in the universe, not having a job and just figuring out it's, I'm taking a sabbatical. I'm taking time for me in this path because I don't just, I don't see any, if I don't do it now, is it going to be when I have a midlife yeah. crisis or, and then My my question for you after all of this, you know, walking, uh, it's one of the biggest pressures is the extrinsic pressure, the social pressure that's, you know, trying to tell you, you should do this, you should do that. How are you, you know, you're six years in it right now, but when yeah. you're in the beginning stages, Paul, how are you able to handle those, you know, those little cues that people would say like, hey, so when are you getting back in the... In the boat again? When are you getting in the train? 
You know, I've never been too worried about what other people think, but it does hurt when people criticize my path. I think early on I wanted to defend my path and like sort of prove that I was right. But I've realized that most of what's happening is other people are just really anxious when they see alternatives to their life and stressed and have fear. And it's mostly about them, um, which is that I've just tra stopped trying to convince people. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I I think it bothered me at first, but, you know, people most people are just scared. Um, and I have fears. Um, the thing is, just on this path, I'm more aware of my fears and have to grapple with them. But, yeah, I think if you really care about what people think, you should just do what you think other people want you to do. <laughs> yeah. Precisely. Like, pe people always say, like, well, how do you, like, do this path and still have, like, not, like, disappoint your parents? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> you're probably going to disappoint people. You're going to stress people out. You're going to make people envious of you, and they're going to be, like, weirdly resentful of your life. All these weird things happen when you take an unconventional path, and it's just part of the cost you pay. Wow. That's what you said right now, Paul, of being aware of, of one's fears, of your own fears. I think that also, that's also part of the big theme why people and why I started also to really dive deep into work because part of giving space to yourself is being aware yeah. of this, this fear is being aware of also like existential questions like what am I doing here in this blue marble? Like I'm an, an evolved ape and I'm trying to wear a suit and tie and pretend I have everything figured out. <laughs> we don't have that time to, to think about those themes when we're, you know, in the nine to five, 40-hour week, there's no time to reflect on, on our own humanity. How, how long are you into your sabbatical? It's been almost... So my last day was April... The It was April 1st. Okay, so like two and a half months. Are you now... Like, how long did it take you to really ease into, like, going slower and feeling more comfortable? So the first weeks were kind of like the the hard part of your all because it was like yeah. okay so now i'm not ready to to now i'm i don't have to get ready to go to work in my routine all of that and just like the the moving parts the, the puzzle were just confusing and i can't say that right now i'm a hundred percent in it yet i i, I think i'm just trying to be aware of why is it that I'm not yet a hundred percent in it. Yeah. And, but I'm getting there. And like you say, a lot of the, the things that you touch on, which are trying not to make this sabbatical a job in itself, trying to just add projects to add projects or just keep myself busy. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that, but rather is trying to do these kind of conversations that really interest me. I'm very curious to, to have you on the show. And also trying to explore those those ideas that may come up. Like, for example, I've been to so many baseball games this past month. I can't tell you. With so many different friends. And I stopped. I was so close to the baseball field in my previous job. And I just was drained. I didn't want to go. It was It's my favorite yeah. sport. And all of a sudden that emerges, you know, that I love that sport. So I bet that's another childhood thing, right? Yeah. This is a th this is a thing that emerges in people's sabbaticals. I call them forgotten hobbies mm -hmm. or forgotten interests. It's often things from childhood that start reemerging organically, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, I forgot I loved baseball." Yeah, yeah, you forget a lot of things, and those those moments where where just life itself can play its own curse, and I was not trying to cling onto a script like you say which is very difficult yeah. it's very difficult and Paul so you know we've discussed a lot of things revolving this kind of like the in-between and also the trajectory but I would like to get into the future the future of work and perhaps one of the 
first question that we can get into is what is the first flaw that you find about the current workplace, the current state of how we <laughs> see work itself? And how do you think we could like try to fix it? Yeah, I actually think that's the wrong frame. I reject that framing. I think everyone looks at things as like broken, right? The current world of work is an emergent system. It's constantly changing. The world of work is totally different than it was 20 years ago. 20 years from now, it's going to be totally different. So I think often when people are like, oh, capitalism is the worst. It produces all these bad situations. It's like there is no capitalism. Capitalism is just a set of incentives um, that exist, our current paradigm, and it's constantly evolving and changing through human action, right? And often our workplace is an um, emergent order of our human desires and interests and motivations, right? So oftentimes when we're criticizing work, we're just criticizing our natural human nature, Right. So I think the current world of work is way better than it was 40 years ago. Most people would not want to go back to the 1980s and work in a similar job. It would not be enjoyable. There'd be a lot of paperwork. Yeah. Um, there'd be a lot of inefficiency. There'd be a lot of sexism. There'd be a lot of like, don't be your full self at work. I think it'd be intolerable for most people. Now, I think the challenge of today's work is people are so desperate to find a place. They want to find a home. They want to find a connection to work. And I think the challenge is it's so hard to find that in a job container. And I think what's enabled me to be happier with my work in my path is I've sort of let go of like ever finding a dream situation. For me, it's just finding a good enough situation. I like writing. I have enough space to do it. I have to do a bunch of stuff like I like but don't love to make money. Um, and that's like good enough, feels sustainable, and is like a good setup for my current life. Um I think I was most unhappy when I was trying to find a dream job. Yeah. That's mostly where a lot of people find themselves, you know, trying to find that dream job. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think, oh, if I do what I love and make money from it, everything will be great. Now, finding that in a job is incredibly hard because jobs mean you have to do administrative stuff. You have to pay political games. You're, a, you're like reacting to the actual environment you're in. It's just really, really hard to find that. And we've sort of um, misled a generation of people telling them, oh, you can find meaningful work in a job. And all these companies are promising it. Do the most meaningful work of your career. That's what Facebook's career page says. Now, people go work at Facebook and they enjoy it maybe for a year or two. It's challenging. It's new. You're learning a lot. But then after a couple of years, it's like, oh, my gosh, the bureaucracy, the amount of teams, the performance reviews, the like stuff I have to do to get promoted, it it's, drains people's soul, right? Mm -hmm. So you might do your most meaningful work of your career, like 10 of the hours of the week, but it's the other 30 hours of the week that are going to be really hard to live with. Yeah. And this is very interesting because a lot of, We've been putting a lot of of energy into the workplace, into our work, into our yeah. careers. That what you say is just it's taking a lot of our bandwidth. And I remember listening to Simon Sinek say something along the lines of, you know, before uh, the previous uh, versions of work, people would have community, would have neighbors, they would have you know other activities, but now it seems that everything that we're asking for the for our job is that is we need to have that community there we need to have the job we have to have that income the the friends all of that has to be involved in that place and then all of a sudden the, just the shock of finding that work is in everything although we are investing most of our energy in it so this dissonance between you know what we're trying to do in the in the workplace and just the reality of yeah. of honestly you know, I, I really enjoyed being with my peers in my work and I thought they were my friends 
but there were some themes that I, I was I was just being thrown that I would say no a friend wouldn't do this you know yeah it's people will behave based on the incentives they're given right um a lot of people in the workplace would say like oh I, I my family's first but then they get a promotion or offered a rate a massive raise and they're like well you have to work more and they'll be like well this is the best thing i can do for my family and it's like there's a lot of mental jujitsu that happens to make that and hold those beliefs in your head yeah i struggle with not having like consistency between what i claim to care about and what i'm actually doing with my time and i'm ultimately found that like full-time work was not for me right and I'm not writing for the people who are like, well, you can do it because of this, or you don't understand how expensive life is. Like those people shouldn't follow my stuff. They shouldn't read my stuff. They should find other people um, to follow. I'm writing for the people like you that are like, I don't know if I can make that path work either. And I just want like different ideas of how people are making it work on unconventional paths. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the future of work seems that it's going to be very revolved around, like you say, a more holistic approach, trying to remove all of the eggs in the workplace basket of life and just trying to figure out who we can be in this world and who we are already. Because it seems that those kind of questions, like the ones we were talking previously, you know, of what am I doing here? What is work for me? Why am I working? they emerge 40 years after we work and grind and, you know, just yeah. retire, you know, like it, it's this investment of time. Hey, Alex, I'll tell you this. I'm going to, you're going to have a great career, but for 40 years, you're not going to think about your humanity. You're just going to be in autopilot mode. And then, yeah. you know, hopefully you can keep that. Like I, I, like I mentioned previously, that space between your true self and the mask that you're playing the games. And when you retire, you can discover this one. Again, your true self, you can reconnect with it. And what happens, I just envision myself when I'm 60, knock on wood, hopefully I'll get there. I just envision myself, if I couldn't handle two years of playing political games and this <laughs> yeah. prestige bug, what does it like? No, no yeah, one you'll destroy there. yourself. Yeah, like for 40 years, I won't even find myself. And then right. when we, when I retire, I'll just have a nervous breakdown with chronic illnesses and I will, I'm going to check out. And that seems to be a lot of what's happening with retirees now. I've, I've done some research with, you know, people who retire from Boeing and these really high, high, um, you know, high execution, high leverage, uh, positions, they retire, they get their pensions and they don't last more than a year or two years after retirement. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's tough. Um, I think it's, like I said before, we're just becoming more aware of the holistic um, value of a human life, right? If we can't move, what is life? If we can't um, laugh and be present, what is life? If we can't um, be happy and not have depression, what is life, right? And yeah, it's it's all this deferred life plan. I mean, I'm just following on people like Tim Ferriss who've been talking about this for 15 years. Yeah. The deferred life plan only works if everyone else is doing it and nobody talks about what they're giving up. Um, but now people have started talking about what they're giving up and it's becoming too painfully obvious to people that this is a bad strategy for life. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bad strategy. Like you say, it's just, it doesn't make sense for me. It just doesn't make sense that I will be willing to invest 40 years of autopilot when I knock on wood, like I, I will only have like hopefully 120 years in on earth, which is nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Yeah. And I, it's, it's, just, it, it's good. It's encouraging to see that we're rejecting this invisible scripts like you like you say in terms of being an autopilot mode and also paradoxically when you embraced your 
you're calling, let's say you're writing your book, Pathless Path, that's resonating in a thousand times more than it could when, you know, we, you would have embraced the corporate or the conventional yeah. path, which is crazy. Well, I think this is the, this is the upshot of sharing your ideas is like, you might actually find other people. I think for me, the be biggest benefit of sharing my ideas has not been any sort of like rewards, achievements or recognition. It's been actually just finding other people like you who are asking the same questions. And then you just don't feel as alone. Yeah. And that can make your journey a little more, um, not crazy to pursue. And paradoxically, Paulo, like you're going to receive the recognitions of all of those things as an externality because your work is so true and you're not even playing, you know, you're not trying to get to that point, but people are Maybe. praising your. Yeah. I think I, I just want to push back on this. Like, I'm not sure you can live a life expecting that. Oh, if I do, if I work hard and commit to stuff over the long term, I'll be recognized. No. I don't know if you'll be able to, I think, um, but what I'm saying is that was the energy I had for years is like, I'm doing this because I think it matters. Um, and I do think that can lead to some magic in the universe. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, I'm still adjusting. I think my identity is lagging some of the recognition and, um, attention I've received because of my book. Yeah. Yeah. And it's what I'm trying to say is exactly that. It just, it, it, if you would have envisioned, you know, just trying to figure out your true self. And yeah, if I would have told you, you know, a lot of people around the entire globe globe would have seen your work and they would just say, thank you. And you wouldn't, it's just, it came automatic, you know, for the sake of exploring your own ideas. Yeah which that's the most insane part that a lot of people that I'm seeing now that are embracing their creativity, you know, they're or trying to exp explore that creativity, that natural creativity that they have, or their true colors in a way, they, it's the best way that you can give life to others. For example, I've had mm, Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson on the show the previous month, and I asked him, there were so many interviews that he had where he was told by other people like around my age, around the twenties, that a person of his intellect cannot be an astrophysicist. He needs to be a leader. He needs to be someone. And those kind of questions, like imagine if Dr. Tyson would have said, yes, you know, you're right. I, I, I think I should do something else and not follow his own heart, which is trying to pursue the meaning of stars and trying to figure out what's happening in the universe, yeah. you know? And paradoxically, when he followed his heart, his own interests, he became one of the most popular astrophysicists in the world. That's, yeah. that's the, like, that's the cue that that's I'm crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Um, I'm forgetting, forgetting the, the guy, the Joseph Campbell, he says, save the world, save, uh, save yourself to save the world. Right. Right. Um, and the, the challenge is you often have to burn down yourself to let a new person emerge. And that is the journey of, um, that is a journey worth going on. And that, that I think is what I'm writing about. Uh, it might suck, but it might be awesome. <laughs> and within this suck, within that, the awesome emerges. Like I, it's just yeah. amazing that the diamond that is pathless path emerged from, you know, you, you, I, I don't really can say that I've lived and I can empathize in that way with you, but the struggles that you found yourself in, they like the, I try to see the, the carbon, you know, the, the coal, and then you saw the diamond in it, the, the, the yeah. treasure emerged, which is amazing. So Paul, there's just so many, so many things that we can explore and that we've explored, maybe we can start trying to close the, the conversation in, in terms of, you know, when you 
first saw the leap of faith that you were taking when you first this you would try to explore this new path of your life there were some themes that you discussed in the pathless path that revolve around the guilt you know of not playing the same game of others yeah. you know the fomo and also the being beaten by the prestige bug like trying to to <laughs> get rid of that so what were if you could just go back in time right now with all of the knowledge that you have and you know have a combo with with Paul what were some of the things that you could just try to ask him try to ask Paul on that moment and also you know not the give them advice in a way but also you know how would you look to Paul when you started your journey um you know i was very happy at the beginning of my journey so i i think a big theme for me was just exploring myself becoming more comfortable with emotions and feeling what i'm really feeling um getting to know my body and i think i'd probably just point myself in the direction of hey explore more go outside your comfort zone i don't think i did that enough when i'm young and yeah i think it'd just be cool just to see uh the parts where i was feeling alive and energized and see that again and see like oh yeah i did like parts of this path it was fun i did like the work but yeah it it faded and i think i wish i left my path earlier um but it took me just a painfully long time to become more self-aware um and i i think i wish i had started that journey a little earlier hmm. paul well even though maybe the, your your journey didn't begin as early as you wanted to, I'm grateful that it started at the first place because how life is really crazy, but your ideas really do come at a moment in my life where, you know, these inflection points are happening. And so I appreciate you taking that leap of faith and embracing, you know, what your heart and intuition told you and also Thank you for joining me today and hopefully we can have more conversations in the future, Paul. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate your curiosity and uh, hope you keep sharing and having conversations. Thank you. Take care.